It's the dictionary. It's the dictionary. It's the dictionary. Hello, word nerds. What's up with you and all of your parts? What's up? Uh, hello, my name is Spencer. This is my podcast called The Dictionary, and it's it's the place where I dictionary it up. This is where all the dictionarying happens. Uh, okay, let's just jump into the words. The first word in this episode is ep- epistemic or epistemic. Epistemic, epistemic. E-P-I-S-T-E-M-I-C. Adjective from 1922. Of or relating to knowledge or knowing. And the synonym is cognitive. That's all about the brain and the thinking and stuff. So just relating to knowledge and knowing a thing is epistemic or epistemic. I think we might see a couple other words related to this. Um, epistemically or epistemically probably is an adverb and there's no etymology be probably because it's coming up in a future word I would assume like maybe this next word and I'm trying to remember what I thought oh my sound effect is going to be next we have epistemology epistemology now this is pronounced very different differently than the previous word epistemic And this is epistemology. This is a noun from circa 1856. I hope they're related. I think they might be. Yes, this is the study or a theory of the nature and grounds of knowledge, especially with reference to its limits and validity. Whoa. I've heard of epistemology, didn't, I've sort of not really fully understood it. Uh, the definition is, is pretty vast and a little complicated. Uh, you're studying, you're theorizing about the nature of knowledge, the grounds of knowledge, where does it come from, um, and, but especially with reference to its limits and validity. How valid is it? Mm, how valid is knowledge? I'd say it's pretty valid. And its limits. How? What are the limits of knowledge? Uh, I would like to think, I think, that that has changed. Our view of the limits of knowledge have changed over all of these hundreds and thousands of years since, uh, well, the beginning of life, I guess. Uh, beginning of life on Earth, you know. I can't, I can't speak about other planets and other forms of life that what their knowledge is like but you know our knowledge as a species as the the human the people race uh has changed we have we've pushed the limits and you know what where what's the next five years going to be of of the limits of our knowledge anyway epistemology we're going to have to put a link in the show notes for this one because this is a interesting topic i don't know much about this but knowledge you know that's what this podcast is all about learning stuff uh, that's it. Just learning stuff. At, at where are the limits of our knowledge? I think I've reached the limit of my knowledge, which is why new information comes in and a whole bunch of old stuff goes out. So we got to look at the etymology for epistemology. It's from the Greek word episteme. Episteme. Not sure how they pronounce that, which just means knowledge, which is from 
epistanai, which means to understand or to know. Like, I know a thing. I understand it. I am doing the action of understanding and knowing a thing. That is from the epi prefix plus histanai, which means to cause to stand. And just in the previous episode, we had a similar etymology. Here we go. Uh, the word epistasis, uh, yeah, also came from epi, um, epi plus histanai, which also is to cause to stand. But it says that that word evolved into epistanai with a ph, which means to stop. But the etymology for epistemology says that those two words, epi plus histanai, combine to make epistanai with a p, not a ph, which means uh, to understand or to know. So they both, to understand and to know, and also to stop, came from the same word, the same Greek word? Hmm. Am I reading this correctly? It seems seems a little odd, but, I mean, I guess... To cause to stand, yeah, that's uh, fascinating that they separately evolved, that words evolved into two separate words that mean different things. Wow. Okay. Um, there's also more at the word stand. So, uh, yeah, interesting. But, but you know, the, the evolution of to knowing, that's clearly related to all this. We got that. We got it. Epistemology is all about just uh, trying to know stuff. Yeah. Epistemological is an adjective, epistemologically is an adverb, and epistemologist is a noun. Would have been great to get an epistemologist on this episode. Moving on. We have now epistle. E-P- oh, by the way, I wanted to say uh, the etymology epi plus histonai is to cause to stand. How does the epi prefix change that to become to understand to know just i'm just throwing that out there to the class you can think about it in your own time okay epistle noun uh, did i spell it e-p-i-s-t-l-e noun from the 13th century number one is capitalized uh so we got one a one of the letters adopted as books of the new testament and I have heard of this, but I didn't know anything about what it was. It was a letter, and then they turned it into a book in the Bible. 1b, a liturgical lection, usually from one of the New Testament epistles. So I guess there's more than one epistle. 2a, the synonym is just letter, like you're writing a letter. Dear John, I'm sleeping. Okay. Uh, letter, especially though, a formal or elegant letter. Why is it l elegant? Did you engrave it in stone? Did you write it with a quill with your blood? Um, a, f a formal or elegant letter is an epistle. Okay. To be a composition in the form of a letter. So what is this? Like you're just writing an essay. I'm just writing a story. I'm writing a thing, but I'm going to be kind of creative with it. So I'm going to write it as if it was uh, a letter written to somebody. Sincerely, Spencer. Epistler. Epistler. Epistler is a noun. Um, there, when I was young, uh, my mom's friend had a baby 
and the baby grew up. <laughs> That's how they do things usually. Uh, when she was like, I don't know, two maybe, uh, she was starting to talk, couldn't talk very well, and she would try and say my name, Spencer, and it came out like pisser. And so uh, to this day, her mom, my mom's friend, uh, still calls me pisser. Um, and so that word, a pissler, very much uh, sounds the same. So it, it reminded me of that. A pissler, but it's four syllables. Um, but what what is an epistler? What what is that? Is that the person writing the letter? Maybe epistler. What's the etymology? I'm so confused by this. It's a Middle English word. Just means letter. So I guess that was their word for a letter. Um, from the Latin epistula or epistola, which also means letter. From Greek epistoli, which means message or letter. Do you see a pattern? Uh, that is from the verb apestelin, which means to send to, uh, which is from the epi prefix plus the word stellin, which means to send. So when you put the epi on it, it becomes to send to, and then all that just evolved into the word letter. Because usually when you write a letter, you're sending it to somebody. Return to sender. Okay, that's an epistle. Yeah. Other than the, uh, the the connection to the Bible, which I've never read, but I've heard the word, I've never heard of an epistle being a letter. But that's what it is. And what does the letter in the New Testament say? I don't know. Go read your Bible. Go to a hotel. If you don't have a Bible, go to a hotel and get a Bible. <laughs> Next we have epistolary. Epistolary or epistolary or stollery. You can emphasize either one of those syllables. Epistolary. Uh, this is the first form. Adjective from circa 1656. Number one. Of, relating to, or suitable to a letter. So, I guess the content of what you're putting in the letter has, has got to be epistolary. Uh, because if it's not suitable to a letter, you're, you can't put it in there. Um... What would you run if I'm at camp? Hello, Mada. Hello, Fada. This is an epistolary epistle. Okay, number two. Contained in or carried on by letters, as in an endless sequence of epistolary love affairs. And that's from the Times Lit Sup. I think it's the Times Literary Supplement, probably. Or just the Times. Times Literary Supper. Uh, so, the, an endless sequence of epistolary love affairs. Okay, so this is like people writing love letters back and forth because it's contained in or carried on by letters. They're having a love affair, writing letters to each other back and forth. I don't know how... To, they're sending them every week, every month. I don't know how quickly these letters get sent, but back in the day, it was very took a long time to communicate with somebody. And so they would have these long emotional love affairs just in handwriting. Um, contained in, yep, just, just epistolary. It's all about letters. Okay, number, uh, what, I think we've got um, one more right here. We go number three, written in the form of a series of letters, as in an epistolary novel. Um, the book Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula, 
Dracula? I think that's what it was. Uh, if I remember correctly, because uh, I'd read some of it, uh, that would be an epistolary novel because it's all letters right, written back and forth, back and forth between each other. I think. Now, let can we do just to confirm my suspicions? Uh, let's see if I if I've got that right. Can I type in this word? Epistola. How do you spell it? E P I S T O L A. Yeah, Dracula epistolary novel is coming up. The epistolary nature of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh, I did it. Okay, great. Um, now there is no etymology because we know it's all about letters, and so we're. Oh, there was something else I was going to say about letters. Oh, there was a book. I remember when I was young, my sister and my mom and their friends were reading a book, and I think it ended up being a series of books, and it was all letters. And I don't know if it was real um, or if it was a, a fictional thing, but it was, mm, I wish I could remember the name of that, that, that book. Um, but it was, it was like two people's names, and each of the letters were like drawn on, and they were in a little envelope on the page, and you could pull it out and... It was uh, it was a very cool, uh, very creative thing. Exa- I want to find examples. Uh, ooh, Griffin and Sabine, that's what it was. Um, ooh, it looks here's a, a, other examples of epistolary novels. If you want to read novels that are all about letters, um, yep, Dracula is listed. The Color Purple. I've never read it, but literally just a couple of days ago, my wife and I watched the original Color Purple because the day before she was able to go see the new one, which I haven't seen yet. So that one is letters. Um, What else we got? The White Tiger, the perks of being a wallflower. Uh, We need to talk about Kevin. These are all, uh, I guess, books written in with letters. That's how the that's the form of the book. But yes, Griffin and Sabine, that was the one I was thinking about. Um, So maybe I'll put this link, this Wikipedia link, to Griffin and Sabine in the show notes. Okay. The second form of epistolary is a noun from circa 1900, a lectionary containing a body of liturgical epistles. And I'm thinking that that is the the Bible, uh, the religious ones. Um, that word lectionary has come up again. Uh, don't know what that is because I saw it earlier um, in the word epistle, I think. Uh, where was it? Oh, yes, a liturgical lection. I, I'm guessing it's just a, a collection, maybe. That would make sense. The word lection is in collection. But yeah, I'm not sure what that word specifically is. Uh, okay. <laughs> Next is epistolar, epistolar, E-P-I-S-T-O-L-E-R. Now, this is different from the epistolar noun from the word epistle. It's spelled a little bit differently, but it sounds sort of similar. Epistolar is a noun from 1530. The reader of the liturgical epistle, especially in Anglican churches. So I'm thinking... I, that's the sec- second time I've said that. I'm thinking this. I think, I'm guessing, I'm guessing that maybe during some sort of church uh, ceremony, the person who is reading out loud the epistle would be the epistoler. Yeah, probably. Okay. If, if it's not, then because I said it, it is now true. 
Next, we've got Epistome. E-P-I-S-T-O-M-E. Noun from 1852. Any of several structures or regions situated above or covering the mouth of various invertebrates. Ooh, this sounds interesting. Above or covering the mouth of various invertebrates. So they, they, they got a mouth, but then they got all this stuff covering the mouth, maybe to protect it, maybe to help bring in stuff. Um, and that is the epistome. And now, obviously, obviously we got to look at uh, pictures of these so we can see examples. Like I'm thinking lobsters probably have this. Um, it's showing some pictures of insects. Uh, let's find a good a good picture. Um, well, this this shows some sort of um, insect or something, and the epistome is pointing to the part, I guess, right above the mouth, but below the antenna. It's just this sort of flat area. Yeah, that's that's not a covering, um, but I'm thinking, I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking so much. I'm thinking today. Um, ooh, here's a picture of a crab. Um, and with uh, with lots of of letters and and um, words pointing to things. Now, where did that picture go? I lost it. Uh, hold on a second. Let's let's bring this closer. Uh, epistome. Where's the epistome? Epistome. Yeah, it's just pointing to like kind of where the nose would be, kind of up there. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, you can you can go look up some fun pictures of epistomes. Lots of invertebrates have them, um, and obviously the the etymology it doesn't list it here specifically. But epi is in this case on top of or above, and then stome is related to mouth and those things. Okay, here we go with epistrophe. Now this looks and sounds similar to apostrophe what we use to apostrophe S, apostrophe D-I-D-N, apostrophe T, uh, D-O-N, apostrophe, don't, 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 let's start, D, I can't, I can't sing it right now, but this is epistrophe, never heard of this, it is a noun from circa 1584, repetition of a word or expression at the end of successive phrases, clauses, sentences, or verses, especially for rhetorical or poetic effect. As we have an example, Lincoln's quote, of the people, by the people, for the people. And uh, th so that would be an example of an epistrophe because it's at the end of a thing, it's repeating a word or a phrase um, to, to for rhetorical or poetic effect. It does say compared to... Um, anaphora, anaphora, um, wow, my stomach is making some sounds, anaphora sounds like, um, well, I'm guessing it's the opposite, the opposite of this, and so yes, this is the word, the use of a word referring to or replacing a word used earlier, ah, so this is specifically to avoid repetition, no, no, I don't want to, I don't want to use any repetition, I'm going to do an anaphora, but here in this context, we want to we want more repetition, uh, so it, that's an epistrophe. There's the Latin phrase, uh, weni, witty witchy. I came, I saw, I conquered. Now that, there's no repetition at the end, um, at least in the English 
translation. I don't know. Maybe that's not a good example. That's just the first thing I thought of. Um, Epistrophe. The etymology for epistrophe is a Greek word, epistrophe, which literally means turning about, turning about, which is from the epi prefix plus the word strophe, which means turning. And there's more at the word strophe or strophe, which is uh, uh, its own English word. It's got an entry in here, and I don't know about that one. I would think that the etymology for apostrophe and epistrophe would be similar, something about this turning thing, but I don't know how or why. Uh, Yeah, okay, that's an interesting word. I will try to remember that when I hear somebody repeating something at the end, uh, I will say, hey, that's an epistrophe. Next is epitaph, with a PH at the end. Noun from the 14th century. One, an inscription on or at a tomb or a grave in memory of the one buried there. This this could be so many things. Um, in fact, I do believe uh, the Helen Zaltzman did an episode about epitaphs on her podcast, The Allusionist. And it was really interesting because it was her and another guy walking around a cemetery reading epitaphs and talking about them. What's a good one? What's a bad one? And it's just, it's just a fascinating conversation. And sometimes they're real simple and sort of standard, like they did cool stuff. Uh, but no, it's basically the idea of what what do they want to say to the world so you can learn about them in like one quick phrase or sentence. So, you know, you, you should probably start thinking about what you want your epitaph to be. Um, and uh, and then when you die, if you're going to have a tomb, then you could put it, you can put this inscription on there. Obviously, if you're if you're not going to have a tomb or an urn or anything, then maybe you don't want to worry about this. But but, you know, it's it's just a phrase to sum up your whole life. And how do you even do that? If you have any good epitaphs for me, please email me, dictionarypod at gmail.com. Number two, a brief statement commemorating or epitomizing a deceased person or something past. So this one isn't literally inscribed on a tombstone, a headstone, uh, whatever. This is just a phrase that you say to commemorate them. You just, just say it every day out loud. Epitaphial? Epitaphial, that's an adjective. Epitaphic is also an adjective. So, the etymology for this one, uh, this is from the Middle Latin epitaphium, which is uh, also from the Latin, which means funeral oration. So, this, I'm guessing this is something that you would say, oration is speaking out loud, uh, that you would say at a fun- funeral. Uh, also from the Greek epitaphion, which is from the epi prefix plus the word taphos, which means tomb or funeral. And uh, I will, assuming that my memory is correct about this allusionist episode, um, I will put a link in the show notes so you can go directly to that episode and listen to it. There might even be two. 
can't remember. Uh, okay, that's an epitaph. What's what's my epitaph going to say? I don't know. I don't know. Am, am I even going to be buried? I don't know. I still haven't figured that out. Maybe I just want to be turned into a tree or just buried uh, so all of the plants and fungi and insects can eat me so I can help help the uh the that area grow more or something you know when you burn yourself up it's just all wasted energy but no there's a lot of energy in this body can't you tell and i want to give that to the rest of the creatures and living things <laughs> next is epitasis epitasis so many words in this in these couple of pages that i've never heard of before epitasis noun from uh, 1583, the part of a play developing the main action and leading to the catastrophe. Woo! The part of the play developing the main action and leading to the catastrophe. Well, that's probably similar to the climax. Near the end, everything is leading up to this point. Um, and so this epithesis is just the very specific part that leads to the catastrophe, um, and I can't, th I don't know, obviously, of any examples. Um, can we just do a quick, if I can find my cursor, let's see, example of, how do you spell that? It's a pit, a pitasis. Um, a pitasis, no, that's a different word. It's, yeah, this is a pitasis. No, I don't want a pistasis, I want a pitasis. Similar words, but they're different, and this might take too much effort. Ah, in classical drama, the epithesis in is the main action of a play in which the trials and tribulations of the main character increase and build toward a climax and denouement. Um, it is the third and central part of a play. As nice, uh, when you separate a play into five parts, this is the third part. There's the prologue, the protasis, then the epithesis, and then the catastasis. And then the catastrophe. So now here in the word catastrophe, we're seeing that strophe uh, suffix, that strophe part of the word again, which we know means turn or turning. And so the catastrophe is like, oh, you went the turn from one part of the thing to another part, to when everything is resolved. So just a little extra uh, etymology I figured out there. Um, let's see, anything else, uh, specifically, we can, uh, look at the etymology. Epithesis is a Greek word. Uh, it means increased intensity. So when you're watching this play, this story, this movie, whatever it is, and this is when things start to get a little bit more intense. Uh, it's like, oh, maybe plot point two, I don't know, something. It looks like it might be in the second act, possibly, if you're doing a three-act structure, and, uh, yeah, in, the intensity is increasing in the epithesis. Uh, this is also from the word epitanine, which means to stretch tighter. So, literally, that probably came from just close something literally being stretched tighter. And then it, when they were creating these names for these five parts of their Greek plays... They were like, ooh, this part is it's getting it's getting tight, it's getting intense. So they use the same word. Um, that is from the epi prefix plus the word tinine, which means to stretch. 
So epi in this context makes it tighter. Hmm. Stretching even tighter still. And then there's more at the word thin. All right. All right. Uh, yeah, the epitasis. I will, epitasis. I will never remember this, but I'll try to. <laughs> Next is epitaxy. E-P-I-T-A-X-Y. No, we are not taking a taxi to the downtown. It's epitaxy with a Y. Noun from circa 1931. The growth of a crystalline substrate of a crystalline substance that mimics the orientation of the substrate. We all knew that, didn't we? Epitaxial is an adjective and epitaxially is an adverb. A growth on a crystalline substrate of a crystalline substance that mimics the orientation of the substrate. So there is a crystalline substrate, a, a thing that's crystalline, and then there's a growth on top of it that's similar. The, the, the construction of it, the orientation, how it's formed maybe, is similar to the thing that it's on. So that thing, that growth, is the epitaxy. Uh, now, there is no specific etymology, but we can tell that the epi prefix is all about being on top of something else. So that's it. Taxi, I don't know what that suffix means. Next is epithalamium. Epithalamium. E-P-I-T-H-A-L-A-M-I-U-M. Epithalamium. 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 You can also spell it with an O-N at the end. That's different. Um, epithalamion. Epithalamion. Yeah. This word is a noun from uh, 1588. A song or poem in honor of a bride and bridegroom. Uh, so, yeah, I guess if you're writing a song for the people who are getting married, then that would be called an epithalamium. Uh, epithalamic, or epithalamic, that is an adjective. We, of course, got to look at the etymology for this one. It's from the Latin epithalamium. I think that's how they would pronounce it. From the Greek epithalamion, which is from the epi prefix, plus the word thalamos, which means room or bridal chamber. So would this be sung in the bridal chamber when they're doing something? Uh, perhaps akin to the Greek word tholos, which means rotunda. Uh, so maybe maybe they were in some sort of rotunda, some sort of round room. Um, maybe the maybe the chambers, the bride chambers is a rotunda, or maybe before they would go into their chambers, they would be in a rotunda, and everybody would be there, and they would sing a song for the married couple. Epithalamium, that is a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's an extensive word. Um, never heard of this. But I can think of an example, a very odd and specific example. Um, they might be giants, I don't know where I heard this, where I got this. It might have been on one of their fan club things or uh, some sort of weird collection. Um, but they wrote a song for a married couple. 
if I'm remembering correctly or if I'm understanding it correctly. And uh, it's just a, a, a very cute short song about being married. And uh, th- so that song, I guess, would be an epi- epithalamium. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Interesting. All right. We got one more word for this episode. It is epithelial. Epithelial. E-P-I-T-H-E-L-I-A-L. Epithelial. Adjective from 1845. Of or relating to the epithelium. And I'm sorry, but you're just going to have to wait until the next episode to learn about the epithelium. And now, everybody, I will pick a word of the episode. We had epistemic epistemology epistle epistolary epistolary uh, uh, epistolar epistome epistrophe epitaph epitasis epitaxy epithalamium and epithelial Whew, that's hurt my brain and my mouth uh let's see well i'm tempted to buy, to pick epitaph um maybe epistemology because it's all about knowledge oh yeah let's just pick that one epistemology singing a song about epistemology it's all about knowing stuff perfect uh so good such a wonderful song uh now let's talk about some more movies i'm gonna finish up all the movies i saw in 2023 this is the last few Spirited. This is the new-ish from 2022, I think. Um, Christmas Carol, um, a new version of the Christmas Carol, but they they sort of take it in another direction, and it's very silly and funny, and I think there's some, oh yes, lots of songs, and it's got Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds and some other people that you will recognize. Um, Octavia Spencer is a big one. In fact, when we were watching it, I think her character, either her, is her last name Parks, which is my last name, and her real last name is Spencer, and I was like, what? Anyway, it's just a really fun, silly movie and that you should watch it. Yeah, a, a fun version of the Christmas Carol story. Uh, then we watched Misery. So different. Stephen King's story uh, about an author, and he gets into some stuff. Uh, then we watched Black Christmas. We watched all three of these on Christmas Day, actually. Uh, Black Christmas, 1974, the original one. Um, I'm sure I've mentioned it before, but uh, it's just, it's not uh, a bloody or gory or gross in any way. It's a more psychologically scary. It's uh, considered one of the best uh, horror movies, and it's old. It's from Canada. Um, we know uh, Dave McRae and his co-worker friend Bruce, I think is his name, they made an unofficial sequel, short sequel, called It's Me, Billy, which is great. And uh, they're working currently on It's Me, Billy Part 2, which I can't wait to watch. Uh, Then we watched Nyad, a new movie about the swimmer Diana. I think her name is Diana Nyad, and she is a marathon swimmer. True story. And uh, I didn't know anything about her, didn't really know much about this. And so it's about her journey trying to swim from Florida to Cuba. 
and what she went through to try and do that. And it's a bit hard to watch at times, but it's a good one. Uh, And then we watched Air, um, another new movie about the creation of the first, the original um, Air Jordan shoes from Nike and how that, I had no idea how that just changed the world of shoes. And I don't care for shoes really. So I didn't know much about this. Um, and sort of what the world was like before then and that how that changed and just how they got to that point. Really fascinating story. Okay, that's it. That's the end of the episode. Thank you very much for listening and watching. And uh, please subscribe and follow and go to YouTube and do all those things. Thank you very much. Until next time, this is Spencer Dispensing Information. Goodbye. Thank you.